Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, I'm Dave Berry, and I am fascinated by my next door neighbor. His name is Neil Srinivasan, and he is a leading cardiologist. During our time as friends, I've become more and more curious about his work and I've often been left with more questions about the medical profession than I've had answers. In The Doctor Next Door, I'll be asking Neil the burning questions that keep me up at night, dissecting medical myths under his watchful eye and doing my utmost to learn more about an industry that is quite literally a matter of life and death. But this podcast isn't just about me feeding my own curiosities. Oh no, I want you to be involved in these conversations too. Allow Neil to be your doctor next door. So if you have any questions or stories, send them to doctoratnextdoorpod.com right now. Oh, hang on a second. That must be the doctor next door. Hey, Neil. Hi, David. Good to see you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Uh, now, from time to time, at the top of the podcast, don't want to use any industry terms on you, I don't want to confuse you, but at the top of the podcast, we often take a trip down memory lane, mm-hmm. and we did some school equipment chat recently, what yep. kind of pupil were you at school, um, and what I want to focus on this time, and I've never asked you this before, we've, we've covered off movies and music and all kinds of things, but I received a gift to the studios where I do my radio show. And it was effectively a very small Amiga 500 computer. Amazing. So this thing now just plugs straight into your modern TV and you can play a selection of old school games on it. But they kind of did it with the Super Nintendo as well. They shrunk it down. It's a Mm. bit of a novelty act for people of a certain age. And as we are people of that certain age, Mm -hmm. Neil, what I want to ask you is, uh, were you a gamer as a child? And if so, which was your console of choice? Uh, Great question. Uh, Not very good gamer. Okay, Certainly, yeah. Um, but I, I did have a couple of consoles. I had a Spectrum. Do you remember the old Spectrum Plus Spectrum 2? Spectrum 48K? No, the one, I think the Plus 2, the one after. Right. It had okay. like a tape. Yeah. You had to put a tape in it and you have to wait a bit. It would load the Making game. an awful noise. Making that noise, we, yeah, that, that beeping that noise thing. thing. Yeah. And sometimes it wouldn't load after you'd waited like 20 minutes. Yeah, and you're late for school. And then you're so late. So it's a quick game of Chase HQ. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then I think I had a PlayStation a bit later. So I quite liked the F1 racing type thing. Ed and Senna was my childhood racing hero. Yeah, okay. So I always wanted to be Ed and Senna in the racing game. So racing games were your thing? Uh, That, Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, so that was uh, Sega Mega Drive. Yeah, and then, good knowledge. (laughs) This is what I do. (laughs) (laughs) It's another nerdy thing I've just outed myself on Doctor Next Door. What was it called? (laughs) Streets of Rage. Okay, yeah. I remember Streets of Rage. Were you walking around fighting fighting some things in the street? Exactly, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. So you didn't have an Amiga? No. Well, you've got one now. Pop over. <laughs> I'll crack open the beers. Okay.
Neil, it is time once again for my burning question. And this week, I'm going to get a bit personal. On this podcast, we have spoken many times about the incredible work that yourself and everybody in the NHS does, particularly over the last few years, because they have been tricky circumstances, to say the least. And we all know that an incredibly difficult job at the best of times also has extra layers of difficulty on top of it. And so my burning question to you is, has a patient ever asked you for a second opinion? Now, what I'd like to get into with this is both sides of that coin. Has a patient ever said to you, do you know what, I, I value what you're saying, but I'm going to need a second opinion from another doctor. And have you ever been bought in as the person giving the second opinion? Let's start with the former of the two. So loads of times, and I've done oh, both, okay. absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um, is it more normal than one would think? It's more normal than you think. Okay. And I think probably patients are more worried or embarrassed or feel threatened to ask for a second opinion because it's almost like going to the headmaster and saying, you know, I want a new classroom or something, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we don't pipe up when we get a terrible haircut of the barbers, let alone when <laughs> exactly. it comes to speaking to a doctor about uh, a second opinion. Exactly. <laughs> but actually, most doctors will welcome it and they won't be offended and they won't feel, you know, insulted by it. And I think it's a great thing when patient asks for a second opinion. It's a really positive thing for me. So I've had an experience, for instance, where you're trying your best, you're trying to do something for the patient, you're trying to get them better. And it may be that either the way in which you're interacting isn't working, or they're not understanding some of the concepts you're trying to get across to them. Or it may be that you just get the wrong flavor from that patient in terms of the symptoms or not understanding some of the symptoms. Sometimes it might be that actually what they're coming to see you for is slightly outside of your expertise. And so I think it's really, really valuable if a patient says, actually, tell you what, I would like to seek a second opinion. And, you know, that's something I would welcome. And there's two ways to then go about that. You can then be the patient's advocate and say, actually, you're right, let me help you. Here are a list of people, I think, who might be able to help you and I can happily refer you on or you can speak to them and or speak to your GP and try and get referred on. But don't you dare come crawling back? No, <laughs> no, 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 you wouldn't say that. No, no, I'd say, no you, you're fine, carry on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then on top of that, sometimes they may say, actually, I thought about this person. Mm -hmm. I want to go see this person. And you could then say, yeah, I welcome that. Or maybe that's not the best choice because of X, Y, Z reasons. And these are your symptoms. But you can do if you want. Or maybe somebody else that I know would be more suited, that sort of thing. Is there one type of procedure where this seems to be more common than, you know, asking for the second opinion than, than others? Or no, is it just down it, to the individual? I think it's down to feeling? the individual, the individual symptoms. In general, I think it tends to be the more challenging diagnoses. Okay. Because, you, if, you know, if, if somebody has a symptoms of something and your GP or your physician or your surgeon does a whole host of tests and says, actually, I've come up with a blank. Your symptoms don't match anything that's related to what I deal with. They're not related to my specialty. I don't think I've got anything in my armory to help you. So then the patient's still left with those symptoms. What are those symptoms? Are they something worrying? Have we missed something? Is there something else? And so in that setting, it does make sense to go and see somebody else. Um, it might be just to exclude other possible causes. For example, breathlessness. Breathlessness could be because of your lungs. could be because you're anemic. It could be because you've got heart failure. It could be all sorts of things. It might just be that actually you're anxious. So you need to exclude certain things and go through things. And if somebody doesn't feel comfortable that the answer answers are right, then that's completely acceptable to go and speak to somebody else, either in the same specialty or, you know, some other specialty. And within that, I suppose, 
you kind of have to look at the idea of uh, someone having a good bedside manner because I suppose that these conversations, they're sometimes difficult to have. You need to figure out how much of a help or a hindrance you're going to be, who is best suited, why they're, why this person's asking for a second opinion, how you can help. You've said all of those things and uh, obviously you're absolutely right. But what I wonder is, is there any training of, of having these conversations at medical school or is it all about the, the science and the, the, the medicine more than it is... The people skills. Okay, yeah. Um, so not so much training about, here's my chat about let's have a second opinion, but most modern medical schools nowadays have a significant amount of communication skills practice. So when I went to university in Leeds, for instance, every Thursday they used to get actors, actually, and you would sit with your small group of class of people who you were split, basically. This whole med school was split into groups of, let's say, 10, based on your surname. So we were all the S's. And... Um, <laughs> or 10 of the S's or whatever, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, it was every week, every Thursday, unfortunately sometimes a bit hungover because Wednesday's the one pound a pint night at the uni. Uh, but, you're filmed, <laughs> but you're filmed <laughs> You're filmed in front of your peers and this actor really grills you. And sometimes the actor's purposely really difficult. Like, I'm not happy with what you've said and you've said this and that's not right and yeah. all these kind of things. And they're trying to rile you. And you're just thinking, come on, Stanislavski, it's a pound of pint today. Wrap <laughs> exactly. It up, will you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, so, then, so then you're filmed. And then, then they're trying to rile you. So they're trying to sort of go through your communication and, and trying to get you to lose your rag when you're trying to keep calm. But also, you know, win back the confidence of the patient, take them through the scenario, those kind of things. And then you watch the whole thing. So you stop and then your mates are with you and you all watch it and you all give feedback. So there's the tutor, the actor, who's then still slagging you off at the end of that. <laughs> they were mean. <laughs> Much meaner than my this patients. This was brilliant training for doing this podcast. Exactly. You didn't realise it at the time, but 20 years later... <laughs> it came with useful, exactly. And, uh, and then your peers and then people would suggest things. And then sometimes if it went really badly, you'd have to do it again. You'd, you'd have to do the whole scenario again and say, you know, people would say, you went down this route and that caused the actor to be really angry with you or something, let's just try and start from the top and try and take this route and see if you can win them over. Um, I think finally for this section, Neil, um, there will be people listening to this who maybe are embarking on treatment or have had some treatment, a diagnosis, possibly they're not feeling fully confident with, as you touched on, there's myriad reasons for people to ask for a second opinion. But what advice would you give to anybody listening to the podcast right now who, who feels that they want to do that and maybe doesn't have the confidence to do so? So I think the first thing to tell patients or people is what we said at the start. Actually, you're probably more anxious about asking for a second opinion than we are to be told that, okay? We'd welcome that, most of us would, and, you know, we welcome open discussions. And so if you feel something's not right or if you feel you want to see somebody different or you need a second opinion, be brave enough don't be frightened about it. It's your health. You're empowered to control your body, control your health, and go speak to people, and people are there to help you. So, Neil, it is time now for everybody's favourite part of the podcast. It is time for Dave's medical training, but it's not just my medical training, of course. We know from your correspondence that you are very much playing along wherever you are right now. Neil, you have three medical questions for us. Doctor, the floor is yours. So, David, there's a bit of a theme this week, and let's see if you and the audience guess that theme. And your first question is... Which of these statements is correct? OK. A. Human teeth are harder than shark's teeth. Is it B. 
shark's teeth are harder than human's teeth? Or is it C, human and shark's teeth are the same hardness? Okay. Tough one. Yeah, okay. I mean, really tough. Mm. And I'm not 100% sure this comes under medical training. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I'm just going to get that in early. Yeah, I mean, there's you a, know. There's a bit of a theme I'm coming I'm not trying on. to be Sir David Attenborough here. <laughs> okay, carry okay. on. So second question is even harder. It's an open-ended question. Right. So what should you do if one of your teeth gets knocked out through accident or injury? Okay. What should you do? Um, place under pillow for tooth fairy collection and gain two pounds. Here's the thing. You're a father of two children. Mm -hmm. Now, Evie's teeth haven't started falling out yet, and I know Rufus's haven't. Mm. But my friend, uh, who kind of set the tone, he's got three kids. Yeah. He does five pounds for the first tooth and one pound thereafter. Ooh. The Grimace tells me you're not happy with the fiver. Yeah. I mean, what, Do you think that's high? I think that's yeah, high. Yeah, inflation's crazy, right? I think that, yeah, the tooth fairy, you know, she, she's living the best life. Exactly. Um, what was question two again? <laughs> <laughs> so question two was yeah. an open-ended one. Open-ended. What happens if one of your teeth gets oh, knocked yes. out? Yes. Accident or injury? How do you deal with it? Okay. Okay. Ready for question three? I certainly am. So true or false, your favourite type of question? 50-50 chance. Teeth are harder than bones. True or false? Uh, oh, uh, once again, my mind is trying to trick me because it, it thinks it knows things that I know it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the ultimate example of someone talking about themselves in a third person. <laughs> um, okay, great. I've got my three answers. I hope you've jotted down yours where you are. All will be revealed next, but first, another podcast from the producers of The Doctor Next Door that I think you can really sink your teeth into. Ever yearned for the perfect pub to reveal itself from some unexpected alley? Well, The Moon Underwater is the podcast for you. Join me, John Robbins, and the lovely Robin Allender Hi. as we help a special guest create their dream pub. From the drinks behind the bar to the music on the jukebox, The Moon Underwater is whatever you want it to be. So, if you would like to join us in Desire's beating heart, search The Moon Underwater. Or maybe The Moon Underwater will search for you. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome back to Doctor Next Door. Before the break, Dr. Neil asked us three questions to test our medical knowledge. We were also asked to guess the theme, which is, of course, teeth. It's a dentistry special yeah. this week. The answers are going to be presented to us right now. Yeah. Let's get ticking. Here we go. Okay. So if you remember, your first question was about the human teeth and shark's teeth. So which of these statements are correct? Was it A, human teeth are harder than shark's teeth? Mm-hmm. Was it B, shark's teeth are harder than human's teeth? Or was it C, human and shark teeth are the same hardness? I've gone for C. Very good. Yeah. Amazing. Obviously, I, they're, they're obviously sharper. There's more of them. Yeah. But as far as their kind of density and hardness goes, I've, I've gone for that one. Absolutely correct. Great. I'm happy with that. So human and shark teeth are coated in these minerals. They're fluoridated, and that makes them you know, very hard. And some researchers did some pressings of the um, using some metallic pyramids and looked into the shark's teeth. They found that, in fact, you're absolutely right. They're just as hard as human teeth. Teeth are teeth. Point for me. Very good. Lovely. Okay. So the open-ended question, I can see where we're going here. Someone's going to try and argue for at least half a point. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. What should you do if one of your teeth get knocked out through accident or injury? I've gone for hold a cold press or damp cloth to the space where the tooth was to stop the bleeding. Good. And then just as part of the... The second part of this answer is get the tooth from wherever it lies and put it under your pillow and get, get a fibre from the tooth fairy. Okay. But the first part is I think you just hold something against where the gap is. Yeah, that's right. You need to hold something against the gap and stop the bleeding. Yeah. But what about the tooth? Do you think there's any chance of making the tooth survive or are you just going to put it under the pillow? It's, it's been knocked out, right? Yeah. It's, I, it's fallen out. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm putting it under the pillow. Okay. Well, actually, well, you, you can, can jab you can, it back in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Have you never seen that before? That's why I've got three gold teeth now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Right, okay. So so you're absolutely right. If it's a baby tooth, don't do anything with it. Don't put it back in or try and preserve it because there's going to be some new teeth coming. Put it under the pillow, wait for the tooth fairy. Okay. If it's an adult tooth, there are ways, actually, if you get to the dentist in time, of preserving that tooth and putting it back together. I had a friend in school, hockey injury, and the tooth just chipped off. And they were able to get to the dentist, put it back on, the tooth has still survived, if that makes sense. So what you need to do is hold the tooth by the sort of white bit at the end. Don't touch the root, the bit that's inside your gum. You then you want to clean the tooth. So you want to maybe rinse it under some cold water, make sure it's nice and clean. And then you want to put it in some milk. Okay. Ideally, you want to put it in some milk because that will help preserve the minerals, help preserve the tooth. And then sometimes if the tooth will actually go back into the space, you can actually put it back into the space, into the blood space there and keep it there. But try to get to the dentist as quick as you can with it in milk. Well, and the dentist can there. reattach it. And to the, the dentist may be able to do something about it. Well, A, that is genuinely, as much as what you say on this podcast is fascinating. And B, you were right. I'm definitely going for half a point for that one. A hundred percent. I can see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then question three was your favourite. True or false? Teeth are harder than bones. Is that true or is that false? I've gone for false. 
No, it's true. Okay. Teeth are harder than bones. Teeth are composed about 96% minerals, basically, and they're even harder than bones. I, you know, when I said my brain was telling me things that I know it doesn't know, I thought that teeth were made of bone. And so I went for false because you were going to say, no, they're made, of, they're as hard as each other. But I'm, I'm wrong. Mm. I can't even talk myself Cut. into half of, no. no. Okay. <laughs> so yes, what is the reason for that then, Doctor? So I, I think they've just got more mineral content. So that by that. having more mineral content, <laughs> they're just that. much harder. Getting, we've got to that point now where you're yeah. like, don't ask me stupid questions, Barry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> more mineral content, you fool. Um, so that means I got one and a half points this week it's on medical bad. training. I hope you did a little better where you are out there. Now, Doctor Next Door isn't just about Dr. Neil and me. No, we love it when you get in touch and share your questions and stories. You can do so anytime you like, doctor at nextdoorpod.com, or you can find us on the old socials at docnextdoorpod. So let's hear this week's correspondence. And this week we have an email from Dawn, and it reads, Hi, Dr. Neil and Dave. Loving the podcast and ashamed at my lack of medical knowledge. Don't be dorm, trust me, don't be. I've just listened to episode 19 where Dr. Neil was talking about red blood cells being created in the bone marrow and how important the femur and tibia are in this process. My question to you is, how does the body cope with the loss of these in the case of amputation? Thanks, keep up the good work from Dawn. Well, Dawn, thank you for getting in touch. It's nice when we get to pick up you know, when the subscribers are inspired by something we've touched on in a previous episode. Absolutely. I always love that as a correspondence. And yeah. so let's go back to episode 19 and, and answer Dawn's question, please, Doctor. Yeah, great question, Dawn, and thanks so much for tuning in. You're, you make a really good point, and it's it's a very clever question. You know, we rely on our long bones to produce red blood cells. So if you have an amputation, you lose some of the red blood cell producing capacity of your body. Having said that, the body is very adaptable. So even if you have an amputation of one leg, for instance, below the knee or something like that, the other bones in your body will pick up the slack. That's the first bit to say. So you have other long bones around there and there's lots of spare capacity for further red blood cell production, etc. The other thing to say is that people often think about, you know, when we go to the doctors, we say, you know, what's my blood count? Am I anemic? And it's a number that you chase. Your body's not chasing a number. Your body's just chasing oxygen delivery to the tissues and making sure you've got enough red cells to deliver oxygen to the tissues. So for instance, if you're if you go and live in, you know, the heights in Nepal or Peru in altitude, your body will naturally learn to produce more red blood cells to give you more oxygen because you haven't got as much oxygen at altitude. And so in the same way, your body and your bone marrow will adapt. The other thing to say is actually when you have an amputation, you actually have less mass or less muscle to fulfill in terms of oxygenation. So actually, there's an adaptation in terms of needing less blood volume, for starters, and then the adaptation that happens, you know, ribs, other long bones around the body taking up the slack to produce red blood cells. Uh, Well, Dawn, thank you once again for your correspondence. And I think what we take away from this is just what a truly remarkable thing the human body is. And, you know, over all of the episodes we've done so far, and I'm sure in the future as well on Doctor Next Door, we'll return to that just simply remarkable fact that the human body blows your mind doesn't it incredible how it regenerates and how it does these kind of things it's just incredible if you want to get in touch with us as i say you can do anytime you like it is doctor at nextdoorpod.com 
And that's it for this episode of Doctor Next Door. As ever, thank you to my co-host and next door neighbour, Dr. Neil Srinivasan. We'll be back again next Wednesday when Dr. Neil will again be guiding us through the medical world. I'll have another burning question and we'll be answering more of your questions too. Please rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your pods from. Right, I'm off to give my teeth a good clean. So all of you, get out of my house. 